Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio by Rashpixel.fm, the podcast that shows do-gooders, nonprofits, and businesses how to build win-win partnerships that raise money and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by the Cause Marketing Forum and Selfish Giving. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at CauseUpdate.com and SelfishGiving.com. Now on to today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. And on the line with me, of course, is Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hey, hey. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, can't wait to see you next week. I know. It's so exciting. I know. You're going to well, tell people where we're going to be together so it doesn't yeah, sound weird? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually all in the up and up, and we'll be in New York City, and we'll be at the Halo Award Judging. I know. This is so exciting. This is my first year being included in the judging. So I really appreciate, uh, Megan, you encouraging David to ask me and for being involved with Cause Marketing Forum. It's always a pleasure. We are thrilled to have you. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, yeah. So on the line with us today, I'm really excited about this guest, uh, Megan, because we get a lot of questions uh, from people, from our readers and listeners about cause marketing and the law. Mm-hmm. And we have on the line today a leading authority in cause marketing law, and that is Karen Wu, who's a partner at Perlman and Perlman. Hey, Karen, how are you? I'm good. Hi, Joe. Hi, Megan. I'm so happy to have Karen on the line. And, you know, uh, Megan, I've been watching this new show on Showtime called Billions. Have you either one of you seen it yet? It's about Wall Street. Okay. And yeah, it's about Wall Street and it's about the attorney general uh, prosecuting crimes on Wall Street. And one of the uh, the main character in the show says to his lawyer, he says, the only thing I'm really afraid of in this world is windbreakers and people coming to my desk and saying, step away from the desk. And I think to myself, as a cause marketer, that's exactly what I'm afraid of. Windbreakers coming into my office and them saying, step away from the charity pinups. (laughs) Right, Karen? So Karen and the lawyer says, I'll take care of that. I'll make sure that never happens. And that's what Karen's here today to make sure that never happens. Right, Karen? No, we want the charity pinups to continue. That's right. Absolutely. And Karen and I uh, have produced a fabulous new infographic that gives the 10 commandments of cause marketing law. And Karen has agreed to come on today and talk about each one of those commandments so that we can understand them and we can better apply them to our cause marketing program. So thanks so much for for joining us, Karen. Do you want to start with the first commandment? Sure. Now and this I give is you all the credit, Joe. Yeah. That, well, you know, it, it. You know, the 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 tough thing is is talking about commandments with Megan because she follows no rules or laws. <laughs> So, you know, it, it, it'll be interested to see how she responds to these. I love about- it. It's fantastic. <laughs> I'm excited. So the first commandment that we have when it comes to cause marketing and, and the law, uh, Karen, is thou shalt comply with the law. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Sure. So I was thinking about the concept of the Ten Commandments and really how it starts really with an overarching commandment at the top, mm-hmm. sort of a rule that applies the rule of all rules, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, just, it's a very general statement, to be honest, is, you know, you can't glean a lot directly from those words, 
But the concept that you do get is that there are quite a number of different laws that apply. They apply to different parties. They require you to do different things. And so you kind of have to take all of that into account as you go into cause marketing. Mm. You can't sort of, you know, look at this in a, you know, in a limited manner, but you sort of have to look at the holistic picture um, and put all the pieces together to, you know, really, it's considering protection of consumers. It's considering protection of charities mm-hmm. and frankly, even tax revenue. So, yep. you know. And I, I, you know, one of the things I think you could mention here too, uh, Karen, that's true with so many people is they really just don't know the law. Yes. And don't you think that's true, Megan? Like, I mean, when it comes to these different things, like, so it is important to comply with the law, but it's also important that you know the law so that you can comply it. And, and Karen, as you've taught me the past few weeks that we've been working on this project, this varies from state to state. Absolutely. And that can be really confusing for organizations and uh, and companies that are trying to do national campaigns and realizing that, you know, it's not one size fits all in each state. Every every state is slightly different, although there is a general framework that's sort of common mm-hmm. across the states. But then, yes, you're definitely getting into a state by state. You know, you have to do this in the state. You don't have to do it in that state. And that can be very confusing for companies that are not in the business of, you know, doing cause marketing campaigns every day. That's not their business. Well, and there's my understanding is there's a lot of gray area in cause marketing law as well, which is why we have Karen. Yep on the line to help us yeah. make it a little bit clearer. Yeah, but, well. you know, it seems like a very obvious uh, commandment since that's what we're talking about. But as Joe pointed out, it's not always obvious. No, no. And, you know, the challenge is, is that it's not always obvious to people. And even sometimes when people know the law, and this leads us to our second commandment, thou shalt not mislead. So even if you do know the law, <laughs> don't break it. Right, Karen? <laughs> You know, yes, and the, it's all about the nuances. You know, I would say that this is maybe considered more the golden rule of cause marketing because this is really where most of the regulatory actions and, and scrutiny is happening in cause marketing. Um, you know, to put the commandments another way, you could say, thou shalt make sure that consumers clearly understand whether their purchase affects any donation that's being advertised mm-hmm. as going to the charity. And that statement can really go into multiple layers and different ways that you look at the statements that you're making and, frankly, also the statements you're not making. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's good to have, I think, just uh, the wisdom of those who have seen, you know, many different permutations of campaigns and uh, and make sure that everything that you need to be saying is being said and being said clearly. Now, uh, Karen, how how common is legal action against companies in these types of campaigns? You know, given the quantity of cause marketing campaigns that are happening, it's probably very limited. Mm. But that's not to say that there haven't been some actions, enforcement actions that have happened in the past. And you just never want to be the company or the charity that's in the news, that's being investigated, that's mm. being slapped with a fine, yep. uh, that's having to enter into a settlement agreement. You know, so always better to just be be uh, you know on the safe side of the line and, yep. and just to comply in advance. For sure. Uh, Karen, can we use the example, and you gave this one to me when we put together the infographic of Yoplait. So, yes, many years ago, and this is good. This was a long time ago, ago, right? I mean, this is. This was a long time ago. And so, I mean, if anything, that kind of gives you an indication that this is not an area that there's a huge amount of, you know, direct action. But that's not to say that they're not uh, interested in, in in, you know, paying attention. Um, But, yeah, basically, they, you know, the Yo Plays Save Lives to Save Lives campaign benefiting Susan G. Komen for the cure. They, um, you know, I think it's 10 cents per mm-hmm. yogurt cup, 
being donated, but there is a donation cap. And I believe back then the donation cap was actually disclosed on the inside of the cap. So when you're buying the yogurt, you couldn't see it. You'd have to wait till you got home and open it to see it. And so that, you know, that was considered really insufficient disclosure. Everything's been straightened out since then. Um, You know, placed in, you know, very compliant since then. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you just, you know, these are things that you sort of growing teams, if you will, you know, that companies and charities have learned over time to really be watchful of. Mm -hmm. Now, um, disclosing charity amounts to or donation amounts, that leads us to a third commandment, thou shalt clearly state donation amount. And this applies in a couple other ways, too, because sometimes you can put it right on the lid. But if you don't put it in a clear way, in a tangible way, a specific way, Karen, you can also get in trouble for that. Sure. Um, just really burying that language um, yeah. is not a good idea. Um, and frankly, you know, the New York Attorney General has spoken my, most directly to this point in 2012. They actually issued something called the Five Best Practices for Transparent Cause Marketing. And, uh, you know, ever since that uh, came out, I've used it in many discussions with companies and charities to, to help them understand the language that they can and can't use. Um, those best practices, it used some pretty strong language. It actually mm. said... Um, vague terms like profits or proceeds are meaningless to consumers and prevent them from knowing how their purchase or use of a product or service will benefit a charity. Hmm. To me, that's really, really strong language, but I think it's an indication of the concerns that they have about what donors are being told about their purchases and that sometimes, you know, maybe there may be a situation where no, no donation is being made by the purchase, <laughs> yeah, but right. you're left with sort of not clear enough information on the packaging to tell you what's going on. Right. I right. would say this is probably the most common oh, yeah. Drives me misuse yeah. of, of not following these commandments because it happens all the time. And yep. it, even if you dig and try to get clarification, they typically come back with very... Yep. equally vague language. So yep. thank you for putting that one on here because yeah. this one happens a no, lot. No, that's a, you know, a portion of proceeds benefits cancer causes. Exactly. Uh, I, okay, well, how much is that? And, you know, what's and, the period and, and in which proceeds. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Proceeds. You know, what does that really mean? And what cancer exactly. causes? So these different things. So I think definitely you, if you do not obey um, commandment number three, you go straight to hell. <laughs> Because that's what Karen and I are really saying. We're not talking about jail here. We're talking about hell. Right, Karen? So beyond, yeah, well, and so beyond just saying what, what you shouldn't say, maybe we should just quickly say what you should say. Yeah. And the real, the recommendation is clear language would be in the form of a fixed, don't, fixed dollar amount or percentage of the purchase price. Well, let me I ask you sometimes, this. Let me ask yeah. you this, though. So if we see this a lot where it says, um, because of your donation or because of your purchase, seven meals will be given to Feeding America, which is probably a bad example because they always have an asterisk at the bottom that says, you know, this is the value of seven <laughs> meals or whatever. But lots of yeah. where it's like um, you buy this coat and one coat will be donated. How do you feel about those where it's not actually giving a dollar amount? Sure. And actually, that is another point that the Attorney General's best practices also spoke to. So when you're doing a one for one kind of campaign where instead of disclosing a donation amount, you're disclosing a some other kind of like an in-kind donation, um, the recommendation there is to just really be clear about the nature and amount of that donation um, and make sure that there's sort of a reasonable understanding that's being communicated 
uh, in terms of what that is. You know, if, if you do- if you buy a toy and you donate a toy, is it a used toy? Is it a new toy? Is sort of equivalent in value? Mm-hmm. I think they're just looking for, um, you know, something that's reasonable and not going to mislead the public about what's actually happening. Mm. Got it. Thank no, that's you. true. When you donate a toy, we <laughs> we sell a toy and we keep we the grab one out of the it. garbage. And we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's our here's our next commandment. Number four: Thou shalt meet BBB standard. Number 19. What is number 19, Karen? So I guess we should start with what is BBB, for yeah. those who don't know. <laughs> that is the Better Business Bureau Wise Giving Alliance. They are a nonprofit charity watchdog, and their mission is to promote high standards of conduct among charities. So mm-hmm. they have 20 standards of charity accountability, and number 19 relates to charitable sales promotions, uh, which is these cause marketing campaigns. Um, and so specifically, the requirement is that on all point-of-sale advertisements, Companies, the charities, I guess in this case, who are the ones uh, needing to meet the standards, must make sure that their the company partners are disclosing any campaign period, if it's a limited time promotion, any minimum guarantees, and any donation caps. So it's pretty straightforward, yep. but it's become really a bedrock of uh, sort of the requirements. And you know, a lot of national charities they are striving to meet those 20 standards because mm-hmm. they want to use that the BBB's charity seal on all of their fundraising materials, and they do not want to jeopardize the ability to use that seal because of one insufficient disclosure with one partner. Yep. Uh, it's become so important that you see it direct in these charities' contract templates. It's built right in there mm-hmm. that those disclosures have to be in there. And one of the things you made clear to me too, uh, Karen, is that you need to be clear if a purchase doesn't trigger a donation. And we do see those campaigns too where you read the fine print and it's says, you know, we're going to make a donation of $50,000 regardless of how much is sold and we have no, you know, minimum or maximum on something like this. We're just going to make a straight donation for this campaign. That's right. And I think that is a good way of making clear, you know, if you're if you're coming straight out and telling people what what is a sort of a flat donation amount that's been promised, um, then it becomes clear that you're not necessarily, it's not a per product donation amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pre-promised amount. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're still getting the halo effect, I think, of, uh, you know, connecting with donors and uh, sorry, consumers um, and, and the cause. Yeah. I feel like that is the shadiest form of cause marketing because it's, you know, I've seen these before. Uh, here's a giant thing of paper towels and it's got pink wrapper all over it and yeah. like <laughs> seal of, you know, whatever charity that it's going to. But then you read the fine print and it's like, no, no, they've yep. like six months ago. They made a five hundred thousand dollar donation. I don't know. I just yeah. I don't like. Well, you know, I well, think I wouldn't say that. That's a well. I think what you're saying here that's the problem is it's it's how buried it is. And I think you've wrapped this giant pink logo around a product, so everybody's focused on that. And then where do you find yeah, the, the information that font. says why? <laughs> yeah, why is that? Why is that logo there? That's what you want to communicate, and that should absolutely be clear, uh, clear and conspicuous. Yeah, that's the uh, the gambling nature, I think, of cause marketers and stuff like that, because we want to see Shady. whether or not it will raise more money if you just put it out there uh, instead of a flat donation. Oh, who wants to do that? That's like putting your money in the bank. We want to go to the <laughs> casino, right? <laughs> All right, here we go. Number five, thou shalt register slash file if required. Tell us about that one, Karen. This is, yeah, this is honestly one of the 
I guess it's one of the two main questions that we often get. The very first question, if somebody calls, a company calls and says, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a campaign with a charity, and they're telling me I need a register. Um, so this registration point, it really is twofold, one for the charities and one for the companies. Mm-hmm. So when uh, a company and charity is engaged in a cause marketing campaign, especially when it involves the sale or use of a product that's triggering a donation, Charities, if, so let's say we're dealing with a national campaign, they may need to register in the 35 to 40 states, and it's a registration to fundraise. And then the companies also may need to register as what's called a commercial venturer, and they may need to either register or file contracts or campaign reports in up to seven states. Hmm. So it's not, not so onerous on the, on the company side. Um, the charities have a lot more filings, but oftentimes if they're already fundraising, that registration's already done. But mm-hmm. it's it's a number of steps and it takes time. And so it's important to be aware of it and get it taken care of earlier than later. Yeah. And that's a, a good point about knowing what the rules are and the laws are in your state. And uh, and, and most of this information too, uh, Karen, can be found out from your, your attorney general's office, correct? It it can be. It can be a little tricky. You know, you've got Secretary of State's offices. You even have, I think, yes. the Department of Agriculture yeah. down in Florida. Right. It's a little bit of a checkerboard, but a lot of the states are, this is governed uh, or by the uh, Attorney General's office. So I think it's definitely, government. when people have a question about something like this, they should just call Karen. For sure they <laughs> right? should. Right? I didn't say it. Don't you, don't you think that's important? We both just said it. Call Karen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Number six. Thou shalt enter into a written agreement. And Karen and I talked a lot about this one, Megan, because we think it's important um, in the first place for nonprofits and businesses to have some type of agreement with one another. That makes sense, right? Something in writing. Uh, But tell us a little bit more about this one, Karen. Sure. There's kind of two aspects to this one. One is the fact that the state, most states actually require a contract to be in place between a company and a charity for these types of promotions, um, either the written consent or an actual contract with specific provisions. So um, these contracts will sometimes have very particular provisions for the state of New Jersey or New Hampshire and things like that. Um, but beyond that, as you said, um, you know, a contract is just important to ensure that both parties have clear understanding of expectations right. and obligations. Um, you know, so you know when the funds will be transferred. So you know what, if anything, the charity uh, is being asked to do um, to acknowledge the company, you know, to, to thank them in social media or whatever it is, um, so that there's no, you know, arguments later about expectations. Right. Right. I'm, I wish so much that I signed a prenup before I got involved with this podcast with yeah. Megan. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, me I too. Could have could have really protected me, uh, Karen. So I, I written agreements. I'm all over that. Number seven, thou shalt avoid unintended endorsements. And I think this one is fascinating, Karen. And I also think it's one of the most difficult ones to adhere to. So tell us about this one. Sure. Um, well, this this issue actually of endorsements was a core subject of a regulatory report that was produced back in 1999 by 16 state attorney generals in the District of Columbia. And the report, while not binding in any way, not an official rule, um, but it really did d- demonstrate the regulators' concerns that as part of this growth in cause marketing, many nonprofits' logos were being placed on products in a way that was being perceived by consumers as as an endorsement. And by that mm-hmm. I mean 
um, but the charity was essentially saying that this product is superior to others in the marketplace. That was sort of the perception that they felt was being conveyed by that logo. Yep. When in fact, when they did the research, it turned out that the charities did not intend to endorse the product and may have even had non-endorsement policies in place as an organization. So, um, and maybe they hadn't tested the effectiveness or the quality of the product. So that was just a real concern. Again, consumer mm-hmm. protection, making sure you're not misleading the public about um, why that logo was on that product and what it's, what kind of message it's trying to convey to them. So how is this different, Karen, from, I mean, the way you're talking about it in actual licensing agreements that we've seen with like the Arthritis Foundation and the American Heart Association, where they actually have a process by which you can use their logo on packaging and they're approving the product. Right. So many organizations do have what you might call certification programs. They might have a set of objective criteria to meet. Um, and if you sort of are vetted through those criteria and you've met the standards, then they may let you put the logo on. So I think American Heart has right. a, a heart check uh, logo. You have to meet the standards. And then it's not saying that you're better than anyone else because many other um, companies are also able to access and use that logo. That's right. But it's sort of saying that you've attained to that certain right. neutral and objective set of standards. Yep. Yep. That's so interesting. Well, those are, those are typically different than cause marketing, yes, right? I agree. Yeah. And they're only really has, practiced But it was all incorporated. Players. It, it's, it feels slightly different, and yet it was still all incorporated in that same regulatory report. It was also Got talked it. about because mm. they're just, you know, so closely intertwined. In a you way. know, one of the things, Karen, that I think is interesting, a lot of nonprofits ask me this on a local level especially, is if they have a, a business partner and they're working with them. And like, for example, I used to work with a potty supply chain here in Massachusetts that did a lot of promotion for us. It is not a good thing. Um, what I've learned from you uh, to say, hey, uh, to my supporters at the nonprofit, you should go into iPotty stores because they're supporting us right now. That's not a smart move, correct, Karen? Are you taking us into commandment number eight? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Great right. segue, Joe. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I think what you're bringing up is this this concept that affects charities called mm-hmm. unrelated business income tax. Basically, it's a tax on any income that a charity generates from activities that are not related to its mission. So activities such as promoting the sale of a for-profit company's products is an unrelated activity, even if those sales are driving donations to the charity. That little nuance is something that sometimes catches people off guard. They don't realize. But at the end of the day, you know, it's not so much that it's benefiting the charity. It's that you are telling people to go buy a product. Right, right. And, you know, this is different, too, from like a nonprofit that runs its own business. You know what I mean? In terms of how they pay taxes. And, you know, this is about a relationship with a for-profit in which it could be seen as you helping them sell stuff. Right. And again, an emphasis on it being unrelated to the charity's activities. There may be a situation where uh, a product is very substantially related to the purpose. It's a very specific analysis, definitely one to review with tax counsel. Mm, no, very good. Okay, number nine, thou shalt not wait until the last minute. And and Cameron really emphasized this one to me, Megan, because she hates this. People say, hey, I got oh, a program <laughs> coming, you know, starting tomorrow or something like that. So that this, never is, happens. this is meant, this commandment is meant to maximize Karen's free time. Right, Karen? Well, I would say I would say this commandment comes right off the wish list of any in-house counselor. That's right. They're calling yeah. me, yeah. pulling out their hairs that the marketing department called them yesterday and said, we're launching tomorrow. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, you've heard all of these, uh, you know, things that need to be taken into consideration from the things you do need to say and can't say to the registration and reporting requirements. All of it takes time to get into place the contract, um, which can go back and forth between the parties. So, yeah, really thinking ahead to that there's a whole process that needs to happen. Don't, don't, don't pull legal in at the last minute. <laughs> How long is a reasonable time to expect that it would get through legal. I mean, I'm seeing that there's a 10 to 15 day contract pre-filing requirement from some states, but in terms of bringing something to legal, what's reasonable? I always say earlier is best, honestly, in the, in the planning phase in literally the idea phase can be good, especially if you're coming up with something new and novel. If it's, Mm. you know, the traditional tried and true, you know, and, and it's going to be a pretty straightforward contract. A month might be fine if the parties are already registered because of other things. But, um, you know, if you have to be getting, if anyone needs to be getting registered for the first time, I would recommend a two to four month lead time. Mm-hmm. Um, it always takes longer than you think. That's, That's kind right. of the bottom line. Yeah, you've got to be prepared for these things. Good to know. Yeah. Well, and this brings us to the last. The last one. And this one, this one may be the most important one. That Karen, for sure. Thou shalt seek advice from good advisors. And I'm giving you all credit for this one, for coming up with this one. <laughs> but, you know, for, for those people who may incredibly not have access to the incredible Karen Wu at Perlman and Perlman, who I would highly recommend for any cause marketing law assignments because she's so knowledgeable and practical and she talks in a language that people can understand. What should people do, Karen? There are plenty of great resources. You know, I am a big fan of the Cause Marketing Forum. Our yes. firm has been a member for a long time. Thank That's you. Right. There's great free resources there. Cause yep. Talk Radio, you got to listen to it. That's I've right. listened to them and it's kind of inspiring. I mean, there's two parts to this advisor question. And one is get good legal counsel, right? Make sure you're doing everything in compliance and, and thinking ahead to the issues that you might face. But the other part is beyond what I do. And it's really making sure you're reaching uh, a good advisor who can um, really help you understand what kind of campaigns really work, right? What's yeah. going to, um, what relationships will resonate with consumers and, you know, what's going to be really successful out there in the marketplace. And so that's all you, Joe. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but, you know, this was a really valuable exercise, Megan, for Karen and I to go through because for sure. uh, it's, it's a big resource. question for people. People have lots of questions. Um, in addition to the infographic, uh, Karen also passed along a, uh, a list of fundraising registration requirements that's also available with my post in the infographic. So folks can download that and check that out. Uh, but Karen, this has been, uh, you know, some great information that I think everyone of our listeners can benefit from. So thank you so much. Sure. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you guys. Karen, where can people find out more about you or connect with you if they'd like to do that online? Sure. Um, I'd love them to visit our firm website, perlmanandperlman.com. We have a blog uh, blog up there. Uh, among the things I like to blog on is cause marketing regulation. Mm, yep. um, and people are welcome to email me at Karen at Perlman and Perlman.com. Yeah. Excellent. And, and Karen, I think I've seen some posts from you. Is it nonprofit times where you've written on cause marketing as well? Yes. I believe last uh, spring 2015, there was an article called Bigger and Bolder kind of, I think, cause marketing trends in 2015. Oh, good. Where I sort of talk about the architecture of cause marketing campaigns. They are really getting more complex, more yes. parties, more money. Yep. Uh, yeah, all kinds of uh, interesting things happening. It's very yeah. exciting. We'll add, that to, we'll add that to the show notes, Karen, so that people can access that as well. Great. 
Excellent. And Joe, how about you? How can people connect with you online if they'd like to do that? Well, people can find me at selfishgiving.com, obviously, and that's where they can find the infographic and the all the other information I talked about. Uh, people can find me Twitter on Twitter, Minute to Minute, talking to Karen and uh, Megan at Joe Waters. And of course, you can check out all those uh, pins I have on Pinterest related to cause marketing at pinterest.com slash Joe Waters. What about you, Megan? Where can people find you except in New York City next week with me with the <laughs> Halo Award judging? That's right. I'm also online on Twitter at Megan Strand and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetZMF. And of course, you can find show notes for today's episode at CauseUpdate.com as well as Joe's blog, SelfishGiving.com. And of course, we would be remiss if we did not remind you to please subscribe to the Cause Talk Radio podcast in iTunes so that you don't miss an episode. And on behalf of Joe and Karen and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio. And we'll talk to you next time. 